You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Freedom has a name and His name is Jesus. I absolutely love that line in the song. You know, scripture says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I came to announce to somebody today that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. That's right, God is in your place. God is in your situation. And I firmly believe this, that God wants to heal the deepest wounds that you are nursing right now. Who among you are nursing a deep wound? Come on, give me a virtual hands up. I need you to know that there is a word for your situation, a, a liberating word, a word that will set you free. What if the chains that have held you hostage for decades fell to the ground in the presence of Jesus today? Would you lift your hands and trust Jesus? Huh? In fact, go ahead. Come on, lift your hands right now. We're going to pray together. Let me pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare freedom from sickness. We declare that your healing power is resting on your child right now on the other side of the screen, resting on broken bodies and broken minds and broken spirits right now. In Jesus' name, we declare freedom from addictions. We declare that your restorative power is removing all the bad habits and the destructive behavior that's taken root in our life. In Jesus' name, we declare freedom from financial debt. We open ourselves to receive your abundant supply through Christ Jesus. We declare freedom as well in Jesus' name uh, uh, over dysfunctional relationships. We declare that your saving grace and your saving power is is, is over every shaky and every problematic relationship in our life. We truly believe in your power, Jesus. We believe in the power of your name. And today, we won't let our chains break our praise. Uh-uh. Instead, today, we are going to let our praise break every chain that we have. Come on, if you believe that, somebody shout, I am free. I am free. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo, so good, so good. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining our worship session for today. Thank you for feasting with us. It is so good to get around some praising people, some praying people, some worshiping people, some rejoicing people. If you think that you didn't have a good decision this week, maybe coming to church today was the best decision that you've ever had. Thank you so much for doing church with us today. And uh, I want you to know that we've got a beautiful word prepared for you. I'm gonna be calling the next preacher in a moment, but right now I want you to join me as we say our favorite family prayer. Let's all come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Everybody stretch your hands out, lift it up, and then say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I'm God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Amen. To give us the intro and to set up the talk for today, we are on talk seven of The Clash. And the talk title for today is this, Love versus Love. And so now I want you to ready your hearts, ready your writing materials as we welcome our very, very dear friend and our spiritual mentor, Brother Bo Sanchez. 
Hi everybody, welcome to the feast and my prayer is that when we open the word of God today, you will feel the love of God in such a palpable way, you, your home, your family. Are you ready? Here we go. I'd like to preach the simple message, God is waiting for you there. God is waiting for you there. Can you say that? God is waiting for you there. God is waiting for me there. Amen. Welcome back to our soul transforming study of the gospel of Matthew. Who would have thought that the gospel of Matthew was this deep and profound and wow, totally amazing. So let me, let me begin by, by this question. Um, what would a person have for you to call that person close to God? We are close to Lord. What does he or she need to have to be called Makadios? Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but in your mind, you'd probably say somebody who prays with passion, somebody who reads the Bible daily, somebody who goes to church regularly, you know, when I was a kid, um, the old folks will say, Uy, laman siya ng simbahan. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, right, you know. And so, that person is close to God. Here is my theory that I bet Jesus will have a different answer. And that's what we're going to investigate today. Let me begin with a story. Um, one day, I was giving a financial seminar. I... I you know, usually do that. And in the break, in the middle of the seminar, there is this young guy who comes up to me and, you know, with a smile on his face, he says, I like your stock market talk. You know, it's so simple. It's like for the first time I understand it. <laughs> and I said, hey, thank, thank you so much. You know? And then so he turned around and was about to leave when I said, oh, by the way, do you attend the feast? And, you know, he, he looked back at me and immediately I saw that his face hardened. And, and he said, I like your financial talks, but I don't like religious messages in general. So I nodded my head and I said, thank you for your honesty. And then he added, and I don't plan to join any religious group. And so I asked him, may I know why? And, you know, he, he sighed his deep sigh and then he said, Brother Bo, my parents are like you, very religious. They, you know, very active in the parish. They, they led a prayer group there. And so I told him, I'm, I'm about to hear a big but, right? And he said, when I was growing up, my siblings and I, they were hardly at home. We would tell them, Mommy, da Mommy, Daddy, stay, stay at home. And, and they will say, God first. Th that's what I kept on hearing from them, God first, God first. And so they would go and they would, they would be in church and, and they'd, they'd have all these services, quote unquote. <sighs> and then he, he said something that shook me, shook me to the bone. He said, you know, when... Even during our birthdays, if there's a prayer meeting and our birthday, they would choose the prayer meeting. And then he said this statement. He said, 
Brother Bo, many times I felt that God stole my parents from me. Ouch, really deep. This is a sad story. Well, with a happy ending, do you know that that guy eventually, eventually, not, not immediately, uh, but eventually joined the feast. But I, I, I just think it's a sad story. I, you, do you know what I told him? I, I told him, God did not steal your parents from you. No, your parents misunderstood God. You see, they thought that they could only meet God in church when all that time God was waiting for them at home, in their children, in your heart. Can I, can I say this? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this shocking statement. I believe there are a lot of people who use religion to run away from God. Did you hear me? I know that that's like, what? Yes, absolutely. God wants, God, I, I believe that for a lot of people, a lot of religious people, God wanted to meet them in their spouse, in their kids, in their parents, in their siblings, in the poor, in the suffering. But they escaped to pray and to read the Bible and to go to church. Now, listen to me. I pray. I go to church. I read the Bible, right? But, man, maybe, maybe let me share a little bit of my personal story. So, you know that I, as a teenager, gave my life to God. 13 years old, I was already a missionary. And so through my teenage life and all to my 20s, I was serving God, serving God, serving God. At the age of 32, I made a radical shift. I was still a missionary. I was still serving God. But my identity changed. Next to being a child of God, before I got married, that, that invisible sign hanging around my neck, you know, my label was... Next to being a child of God, I was a leader and a preacher. When I got married, the shift was this. Next to being a child of God, I was primarily a husband and a father. And then, second, a preacher and a leader. This message, this message is very close to my heart. Um, my dear friend, God is waiting for you there. God is waiting for you in the people around you. Look at their faces. Listen to their heartbeat. God is there and He's waiting. You know, we started building. Let me, let me close my part in, with this before I hand it over uh, to the next preacher. I, ta-da! <laughs> I wrote a song many, many years ago when, when we started building Anawim and, and in the midst of the years of building Anawim. Anawim is our ministry for the abandoned elderly. And um, I, I saw God there. We, we would pick up old people from the streets and, you know, caring for them, talking with them, praying with them. And then I, I, I cared personally for a, a bunch of orphans and, and actually lived with them for a year. God was there. 
as, as God was so present in prayer and in the Bible and in the church, God was also waiting for me in those people. So I wrote a song. So that's why I'm holding the guitar. And um, the title of the song is The Last Place. And I'd like to sing this song to you. I know, you know, this is first time, first time. So here we go. I hear your voice, Lord. I see your face I hear your voice, Lord In the least expected place Amazing love, astounding Lord That you choose to dwell in the abandoned and afraid Plays in the child's face, in the eyes of pain, of hunger, and of rage. I shall meet you there in the last place. I shall meet you there. In the eyes of pain I shall meet you there In the last place God is waiting for you there In the people that need your love God is there Meet Him there We're now going to open the Word of God Audie Take it away. Hello again, everybody. Thank you so much for still being there on the other side. Thank you for not leaving while we're here. You know, why don't we send some love in the direction of Brother Bo? Come on, send him some encouragement in the chat box below. We always want to thank Brother Bo for continuously uplifting our spirits each and every time. You are such a blessing to all of us, Brother Bo. Whoo, hallelujah. Anyway. Now that the introductions are done, I'm sure that you are ready to have some nourishment right now. Your spiritual hunger is so, so deep that I'm, I'm so excited to preach this word to you, okay? But I want to do something very different. This is the first time I'm going to be asking you to do this. If you are physically able right now, if you can stand up on your feet, can you do that right now? Can you, can you rise from your seat? Only if you can. If you can't, that's fine. Stay seated. What's more important is that your heart is in the right posture. What we want to do is we want to honor and give respect as we open God's Word. And so, lift one hand towards the screen. Sing with me, everybody. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, speak to us today. We are listening. Okay, I hope that you are comfortable right now, that you're in a safe place, but hey, can I, can I ask a little favor? Please don't get too comfortable, okay? Because I believe this, that God is going to disturb you a little bit today. God is going to shake loose some things that have taken root in your life that God wants to get rid of. So don't get too comfortable, all right? Put your hand over your chest right now. Okay, do this. And then say this with me, God will speak to me today. Amen to that. All right, just a little recap. I like doing this for the first timers, people who have never joined us. We are in the book of Matthew. We've been studying this gospel for, for, for God knows how long. And it's been beautiful. 
And right now, in this chapter that we're studying, we're seeing how you know, certain religious groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which we studied last Sunday, they've been trying to get Jesus. You know, they've been trying to persecute Jesus. And the manner by which they've been trapping him with questions left and right, thinking that they could push him into a corner and then somehow pin him down to submission. And you know, two Sundays ago, we saw how the Pharisees asked Jesus if, whether it was good to pay taxes to Caesar or not. And then last Sunday, we saw the Sadducees question Jesus about the resurrection of the dead. But you know, one thing you gotta know is that you can question Jesus all you want, but you can never bully Jesus using false truths. Why? Because he doesn't just know the truth. Hey, he is the truth. Amen? So as expected, you know, Jesus blew them all away with his answers to the point where the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you know, they walked away in amazement. But, you know, the Pharisees were not done. They were far from done. They just wouldn't quit. You have any people like that in your life? People who just won't quit, trying to oppress you, trying to aggravate you just for the sake of sometimes of ego and irritation. What you got to do? Stay away from those people. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you on how to deal with people like those. Okay, anyway, here's what the Pharisees did. If you've got your physical Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. We are on verse 34. It says here, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with this reply, they met together to question him again. Now one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. He said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Okay, if you are a Bible reader, chances are this is not the first time that you are reading this passage. And I'm praying that God is going to give you fresh ears to listen and to hear the Word of God in a fresh new way. You need to know this, that this was a trick question. Okay, the Pharisees wanted Jesus to do one thing, to choose one out of 613 laws that Moses handed down to the Israelites to choose which one would be most important. But here's the trick. Here's what they had in mind, that if Jesus chose just one of those laws, it was as if Jesus was implying that, you know, the other laws were not as important. But guess what? Jesus, he was smarter than that. He knew exactly what was in their heart. You know, he didn't just pick any of those 613 laws. In fact, he, he chose a prayer that every Jew knew of. Okay, verse 37, Jesus replied, here's the greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know, this is what the Jewish people, it's a prayer. It's what the Jewish people called the Shema. Okay, the Shema. It was their daily prayer. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, if you've got time. Every faithful Jew knew, knew, knew the Shema. They memorized it as early as a child. In fact, you know, they, they, memorized, they, they recited it at least twice a day. So that's why, you know, by answering this way, you know, Jesus must have surprised everybody who was listening to know that the greatest commandment was something that was taught to them all their life. It was already here. You know, sometimes your greatest blessings are those that are already in front of you. You just don't see it. Why? Because your eyes are closed. And I pray that God will open your eye, and open your heart to how He's already blessed you. Amen from somebody. Amen. But you know what? Jesus doesn't end there. He doesn't. He goes on. In fact, He gives them more than what they were asking for. Remember, this guy was just asking for the greatest commandment. Jesus gives him something more. And you know, I find that so amazing. And I'll tell you why now. Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus won't just meet your needs. Uh-uh. Jesus will exceed every expectation that you will ever have. Come on, say amen if you know what I'm talking about. That's right. 
That's why Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't just provide the greatest commandment. Ah, instead, he gives them the second greatest commandment as well. I want you to turn to verse 39. Jesus says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor, ask yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Let me explain this, okay? This was actually a direct quote from the book of Leviticus, chapter, um, let's look for it, chapter 19, I believe, verse 18, there you go, which says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. So as you can see, this is not a new thing. Jesus was actually resurfacing an Old Testament passage, but the reason why he did that is because Jesus knew that the first commandment, love God with all your heart, all your mind, was not complete. What do I mean by that? Listen to me, okay? Are you listening? Okay, the reason why he did that is because of this. You cannot love God without loving others. Let me repeat that. You cannot love God without loving others. I'm going to need you to follow me a little closely on this point because I believe this is a slippery slope to tread. Somebody type in. I'm right behind you, Brother Audie. <laughs> okay, let me explain. First of all, loving God and loving others are not two separate commands. Okay, they're actually two inseparable commands. Here's why. Because you cannot claim to love God if you don't love your neighbor. And you cannot claim to love your neighbor if you don't love God. Let me give you an example. You can't say that you love God and then you are unable to forgive the person who broke your heart 20 years ago. Okay, just the same way that you can't say that you love God and then curse somebody who has a different political view than yours. For the same reason, you know, you cannot claim that you love people if you don't also love the creator who created them. Okay, are you, are you with me? Okay, let me qualify first what I mean when I say the word love. I want you to know that when I say love, I don't mean love to always be that romantic kind of love or sexual love. Love is not always about, you know, having warm feelings about someone, but love can also be about respecting somebody, right? It can also be about appreciating somebody. Here's what I believe. That at the end of the day, it's all about acknowledging the truth that even if we don't have the same blood coursing through our veins, uh-huh, we all have something great in common. Would you like to know what that is? We were all purchased by the same blood of Jesus on that cross. So tell somebody beside you, we're the same. Amen. The same forgiveness that flows in their life flows in my life. The same grace that you receive is, is the same grace that I receive. We're all humans. We're all brothers and sisters. To simplify, let me give you an illustration, all right? This is how it, it's supposed to be. Love for God can best be represented, how? By a vertical line, this vertical line. Very short line, um, but just for the illustration, okay? Goes up like this, that your love for God and God's love for you goes up and down. Now, uh, love for others can be best represented by a horizontal line. Okay, because it stretches sideways, front, back, center to the people around you, right? You're supposed to love others. Now, check this out. When you put together both lines, a vertical line and a horizontal line, what do you have? Look at that. When you truly love God and when you truly love others, you complete the cross. Amen. When you truly love God and when you truly love others, you embody the greatest form of selfless love there is, the sacrificial love of Jesus.
This is the kind of love that gives without need for reward or recognition. It's the kind that keeps on giving without taking anything. And you know, I praise God for this kind of love. This is the kind of love that we need in this world. And I pray that this is the kind of love that Jesus is going to give you today. But let me tell you why this is a very important thing for Jesus to preach way back then. Because it's the type of Moses. When Moses handed down the laws to the people, you know, somehow everybody put their man-made interpretations, which we still do until today. Like way back then, for instance, okay, according to Jewish custom, everybody was to love God. I mean, that much is simple. Love God, love God, love God. That was clear with everybody. But when it came to loving others, you know, they somehow put a little restriction around it. There were those in their inner circle that everybody was required to love, their spouse, their children, their boss, their neighbors, whoever, all right? But then there were also those in their outer circle, like prostitutes, tax collectors, uh, Gentiles, Samaritans. The Pharisees established laws that these types of people were not to be loved. And worse, they were to be ignored and avoided. That's why Jesus qualifies it perfectly by using the specific word. When he gave the second commandment, he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So here's the question. Who is your neighbor? Is it your next door neighbor? Would you like to know the answer? Okay, even if you don't, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Jesus actually answers it himself by telling a powerful parable in Luke chapter 10. I'm not going to read it to you anymore, but let me tell you the story. In this parable, there was a Jewish man that was beaten up and then left half, half dead on the side of the road. Now, a priest sees the man, and instead of helping this man, he crosses over to the other side of the road in order to avoid him. Another person, a Levite, also sees the man and does the same thing. He goes to the other side of the road. Context, that's because the Jews believed that when they touched an unclean person, they also become unclean. And because, you know, they weren't vaccinated yet and they, they didn't have a face mask on, <laughs> they probably stayed away. I'm just adding that to the story. But a sudden twist in the story, a good Samaritan comes along. A Samaritan was a person that the Jews despised so much because he was a bastard. You know, Samaritans were a mixed race. They were half Jew and half Gentile. And, you know, in a way, I could relate to Samaritans because I'm also mixed. Did you know that? I'm Philam. Yep, I'm Philam. Oh, is that why, Brother Audie, your accent is so slang? It's so good? Uh, not really, no. Um, that actually has nothing to do with, uh, with my accent or, or, or with me being Philam, rather. Um, my parents were 100% Filipino. My grandparents were 100% Filipino. As far as I know, my family is 100% Filipino because it's not what you mean half, half uh, Filipino-American. Uh, no, Filam is half Filipino and half Ampogi. <laughs> or or puede ring, uh, feeling Ampogi. Okay, shout out to all the, 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 the Filams here today. Come on, give me your hands up. Don't leave me hanging here. I'm guessing that my wife probably won't agree with me on this joke because she will refuse to believe that I'm, I'm just half pogi because she should probably think that I'm 100% pogi. Okay, a a anyway, anyway. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, my wife is probably cringing in her seat because it's also our anniversary. Happy birthday, mama. Thank you so much for the happy sacrifices that you gave for me and the kids. And just like I said, on that day, on that altar, that I will love you until my very last breath. Anyway, today is our eighth anniversary, so please pray for us, okay? Thank you so much in advance, everybody. Say a prayer for both of us, if you can. Amen. Anyway, not about me, not about my wife. This is about Jesus, okay? About the Samaritan. So anyway, the Samaritan was um, not, well, he was the only one who stopped to help the injured man. In fact, he didn't just help him. He bandaged the wounds and brought him 
brought him to the nearest Airbnb for a hot meal and a hot bath. And then in verse 36, okay, verse 36, Jesus says, or rather Jesus asks, now which of these three people in the parable, would you say, was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The ones listening said, the one who showed him mercy. That was the neighbor. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So you see, my dear friend, neighbors are not just people that you are close to. You know, people that you're chummy with. They're not people that, they're not just the people that you would call family. They're not, your, not just your favorite people in the world, but neighbors could be anybody. They could be people with a, a different skin color people with a different belief, people with a different last name, people with a different political candidate. They could be somebody on the opposite side of your car window asking for a little help. And you know, the reason why I preach this is because we need to be careful on this because we can be masters and experts when it comes to vertical love, loving God, and yet we might fail miserably in horizontal love. Take note that I'm totally preaching this to myself because I'm, so, I'm also guilty of this. Anyway, let me end by telling you this classic story. I heard this many years ago, but I'm hoping that you know, God is gonna give you fresh new wisdom on this. Um, I pray that when you hear this, it's going to inspire and influence you in a good way. Okay, so here's the story. Once upon a time, there was a Christian who was uh, deserted in a, in a, rather not deserted, he was uh, marooned in a deserted island. And you know, despite his uh, lack of hope and, and, and the situation, he had great faith that God would somehow save him. And you know, the next thing that he knew, a boat comes by and then offers him a ride. But then he's, he declines and he says, no, 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 my God will save me. So the boat leaves. And then after a few hours, another boat comes by and then offers him a ride again. But now he also says, no, 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 my God will save me. And then the boat left. And then that was it. No other boats came by anymore. And sadly, he died of hunger. When he got to heaven, God met him. The first question he asked was, Lord, you know, not that I'm complaining. I believed, I had faith that you could save me, but Lord, why didn't you? And then God said, are you kidding me? I sent you two boats. <laughs> okay, anyway, that's not the character of God. We all know that God is not sarcastic. God is very loving. But the reason why I preach this simple but powerful story is I believe it can be applied in our life in this way. How many times have you ever asked the Lord to make his presence felt in your life? But then, there was nothing. You, know, you, you received nothing. God was quiet. God was silent. God didn't speak. You ever experienced that? Come on, type relate if you did. But here's my question. But what if God did? What if God actually spoke? Because here's the truth. God is always speaking. The problem is, we're not always listening. I mean, think about it. What if God spoke through the people, but because we discredited them, because they were complete strangers, or because they talked in a weird accent, or because they smelled funny, or because they had different beliefs? What if God sent you the blessing, sent you the message, but you were busy looking somewhere else, looking some, for something else? See, God is present everywhere. And if you look hard enough with sincerity and humility, you will see that God is present. God is present in your family. 
God is present in your little children. God is present in your spouse, even if you, even if you fight. God is present in your boss, even if he's sometimes arrogant. God is present in that security guard. God is present in that taxi driver. He's present in that little girl out in the street. The good news today is that God wants to make his presence known to you and me. And sometimes God will use other people, you know, others as an instrument to get to you. God is waiting for you there, my dear friend, wherever that is, wherever you are right now and whatever your situation is, I pray that God will give you a heart that's big enough to not just love him, but also to stretch his love out to others. Amen. I want you to receive the hope today that is found in this message that wherever you are, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your desert, in your Good Friday, God is there. He wants to meet you there, my dear friend. He's there. May the Lord open your eyes to see, to see His goodness, to see His, His love, and to see His grace. Let's pray, everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Everybody, just lift up your hands. Inhale God's presence right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Lift you up. We thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Right now, Lord, we receive your love. Thank you for meeting us in this place, in this place of comfort, Lord. Even if it's a noisy place, Father, we thank you that you are here. You've always said that whenever three, two or three are gathered, there you are in their midst, and so we're believing that you are here. Thank you for sending down your spirit and your presence to come and minister to us. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.